Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 94 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's mom. Today, I'm excited to have another woman from Toronto, affiliated with the Sick Kids Children's Hospital in Toronto, Canada. This guest is Paula, Daisy's mom, and she is a friend of Demetra, who was just on two weeks ago. They have quite the amazing group of bereaved parents in the Toronto area, and I really hope to be able to go out there and visit what they do at some point in time after travel restrictions are lifted and I can cross the border from Michigan into Ontario. Today, Paula gets to talk about her sweet Daisy, who was just a light of sunshine in her life with her golden curls and never-ending smiles. Daisy lived exactly four years, and today we get to talk about her, her life, and her mom's long road of healing and recovering in the years since Daisy's death. Also, I want to remind you, if you want to share your story or know someone whose story you think should really be shared, please reach out and email. So the email address, again, is marcy at andysmom.com. You can also just message me through Facebook or Instagram. I'm usually pretty quick to respond. So if you don't get a response back from me, try again because something has gone wrong because I really respond back to everyone who writes. So thank you again for listening, for supporting me and this podcast. Also, I would love it if you would go on iTunes and leave a review or a rating. That helps others be able to hear us and learn about the podcast. Thank you so much, Paula, for agreeing to come on the Always Andy's Mom podcast and talk about your sweet Daisy. No problem. I'm, it's a pleasure to be here. Oh, very good. So why don't you just start out by talking about Daisy and kind of Daisy and who she was as a kid and just all about her? Yeah, for sure. So Daisy was a very beautiful girl. Um, she had like curly blonde hair mm-hmm. and really long eyelashes that pretty much every woman was like, oh my gosh, I want her blonde <laughs> and um she she did have some severe disability she was born with microcephaly Mm -hmm. um so for the listeners it's a small head yeah and it affected some pretty major parts of her brain Mm -hmm. so she severely disabled she couldn't like walk or talk or anything like that. She also happened to be born with cataracts and it was diagnosed late. So, so she lost most of her vision, but she could see light. Okay. Good. Mm -hmm. And 
Yeah, she was just a really smiley, happy kid. Do they, do they know why she had microcephaly? No. Yeah, no. I don't. They, uh, it wasn't detected until, obviously, she was born. Yeah. Like, the, all of my, my pregnancy was beautiful, healthy, like, I was 29 at the time, so, like, perfect timing. Yeah. Yeah, nothing came up at all, and but then they noticed it as soon as she came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we had like a million different tests and saw every single specialist. I'm sure they never figured it out. Even the genetics um, people, they did like the full workup or whatever you would call that. It's a, uh, called a microarray, which I think is to to just test for really everything. Mm-hmm. So they do chromosomes and a microarray. It's a fancy thing to just say that they're testing for absolutely everything under the sun, pretty much. Yes, exactly. And like, nothing came up. And so, yeah, we really had no clue, like, why uh, she was the way she was. But she was still pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. It's funny just hearing about her. So I have a very similar patient, but they knew that uh, there she had had a stroke when she mom was five months pregnant. So they knew kind of ahead of time. But she reminds me so the same because this girl is now a teenager, but she has just a head full of curls and always had and never stopped smiling. So as soon yeah. as you started talking about your Daisy, that girl's image comes mm. to my head because I have not I've not seen pictures of Daisy yet, but I'm I certainly hope to and will, I know. But until then, this other girl keeps popping in my head and what <laughs> and what just I just loved her curls. Every time she just had these most beautiful blonde little curls. Yeah, it's uh, they're pretty cute when they have those curls. Oh, and I know it. Actually, when I when I was kind of researching microcephaly in the early days, um, mm-hmm. one of the things that came up a lot was that they happen to be the happiest kids ever. Like that, it's just like <laughs> I don't know why, yeah. but whatever reason. Somehow that bigger brain suppresses our happiness genes or something, right? Yeah, I guess maybe. I don't yeah, know. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was still able to interact with the world, even okay. though she could like, move or talk. She mainly just by, like, um, smiling or giggling or uh, things like that. And she absolutely loved any type of light source. So. Sure. I, one of the things I love to do was put on music and then, um, I put the visualizer on iTunes on mm-hmm. and would do these little like light dances while the music was playing and she just loved it. I bet she did. I bet yeah. she did. Probably moved to it a little bit too, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. Very good. Very good. So now do you want to move into a little bit with what happened to Daisy then? Sure, sure. Yeah, so so as I said, she was fully disabled. One of the things that she had issues with was swallowing. Mm-hmm. I was able to work with a feeding specialist. Um, so she at least got to have some like mushy food, basically. We sure. got to that point. <clears throat> And then, but she would, she would constantly choke and stuff. And we just kind of got used to it. Yeah. Right. Right. You do. 
<laughs> choke and sputter, that's just kind of daisy. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. And she had really bad acid reflux at first. That was the scary part because oh, she would yeah. throw up like full bottles. And so that was quite scary. But then luckily we got in touch with, with a feeding specialist, like a pediatrician who does a lot of feeding clinics and then mm-hmm. he got her on the right medicine and it was like pretty much the best thing ever. Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And so, so swelling was always an issue and at some point, so she was born on January 3rd mm-hmm. of 2012 mm-hmm. and, you know, in and out of hospital in terms of of uh, mainly for appointments. I think she'd only had one or two. No, I think she'd only had like one hospital stay other than like when she had her cataract surgery. And wow. Yeah, she was pretty healthy. And you're in Toronto, right? Yes. Yeah. I yeah. didn't mention this at the beginning, but you are friends with D- Demetra, who was just yeah. on recently. So yeah. Yeah. that is how Paula came to me is really through Demetra. And she's another one of our sick kids, children's hospital in Toronto, yeah. listeners slash guests now. So <laughs> yeah. I'll give yeah. another shout out to sick kids. Yeah, sick kids. Uh sick kids was Daisy one of Daisy's favorite places. And yeah. Oh yeah, they have this giant atrium that had a lot of light and color and stuff and so she just loved it there Mm -hmm. um um, but yeah so she was pretty lucky in terms of like her actual health Mm -hmm. Uh, and then but then in yeah it was in like late 2014 early 2015 Mm -hmm. that I noticed that uh it was getting more difficult to feed her instead of easier yeah so we went back to, we have another um, really amazing children's hospital here in Toronto. Um, it's a rehabilitation hospital. It's called Holland Purview. Also amazing, amazing staff, amazing people. Like that's where you want to go if you have kids with disabilities. We did like, we, I came in and did a little feeding thing and then they did um, a swallowing test. Yeah. Uh-huh. Where they actually x-ray during the feed to see yeah. where the food's going mm-hmm. turns out she was aspirating on every like, little tiny spoonful so it was going in her lungs and not in her tummy yeah yeah so um so that's when well we had an ng tube for a while just until we were able to get the g tube yeah that kind of that was kind of the beginning of of when her health started to deteriorate a bit we also found out that year, like later on in that year, in the fall, in November, that she had hydrocephaly. Okay. So both my sisters are doctors. Okay. Um, and one of them was just kind of looking through. I had a binder full of like doctor stuff, sure, notes sure. and whatever. My sister was looking through it and, and was like, oh, that's interesting. Daisy's head is like bigger than what you would expect for someone with microcephaly. Mm-hmm. Luckily we had a neuro appointment like a couple weeks after that. And um, so I mentioned it to the neurologist and then we had a CT scan and yeah, it turned out she had hyd- hydrocephaly. So she had now fluid on her. Yeah, exactly. Soft, on her already small brain. So now it's putting pressure on her brain. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, and we had a consultation with the neurosurgeon and he told me the options, which is can get a, sh- a shunt or mm-hmm. that drains, drains it. Um, or the only other thing is to not treat. And, and the reasoning behind possibly not treating would be that, that I guess shunts get infected quite easily. And, mm-hmm. and I, I had one of those conversations with him where I literally was like, what would you do? And he very kindly was very honest and said, I wouldn't get the shunt. Mm-hmm. So that was when, when she went on to kind of palliative care. Mm-hmm. And so we had like, you know, a DNR and all of that stuff. Yeah. That's a tough decision to make, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's, uh, I mean, it, it completely came naturally to me in terms of like, okay, we won't treat then. Yeah. But yeah, like it sucks. <laughs> it's yeah. really not, not something that you want to have happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, so at that point, like we didn't really know, he said, you know, she could live for a long time. She could mm-hmm you know, pass away in a couple of weeks. We don't really know. And that, so that was in November of 2015. And then in December, the end of November, and then the early December, she started getting respiratory infections. Mm-hmm. I think it, we got about three in a row. Um, she'd been on a- antibiotics and poor girl, she like, she was on these antibiotics. And then um, not only was she still having a cold and stuff, she was having like crazy amounts of diarrhea oh. for so for a while, for a couple. Yeah, it's bad side effects to those all those antibiotics. Mm-hmm. 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 And so she ended up. I ended up taking her into the hospital on December nineteenth, twenty fifteen. Basically, she just never recovered. Yeah. She slowly started to lose the ability to even handle like a little bit of food in her stomach. And so we had to stop feeding her. And and then she actually ended up passing on her fourth birthday. Wow. Fitting, I guess, in some way that you welcomed her to this earth and said goodbye on the same day. Mm. But what a tough day that must have been for you. Mm, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of funny. Like I, we had been in hospital from the 19th on and we were going to go, there's a children's hospice called Emily's house in Toronto. Mm-hmm. I, we were hoping to go there, but moving her became too difficult because every time they even like moved her a little bit, she would start coughing. Um, yeah. uh, so and I guess a lot of kids go home for the holidays if they're in hospital, like okay. if they're healthy enough and can go home, then they try to get them home. Right. But uh, we were not able to do that. So, you know, me and my husband stayed at the hospital for however long that is, two weeks plus a few more days. <laughs> um, and, you know, my family kind of were there pretty much every day. And, and we just kind of watched her. She she was basically in what looked like a coma, basically, because she was a, she wasn't ever really awake. Yeah. And yeah, and you know, I think the thing that I'm really happy about is that 
she went peacefully and without pain. That is a blessing. And yeah, and the fact that it was on her birthday, it was almost, it's almost like a little gift from her in a way, because regardless of like, it was happening, right? And so it's either that we have two days of like crap, we have one day of crap. So. I, I was actually thinking that. I thought, wow, I, you know, Andy's uh, birthday is always so hard now. We've had, you know, three of those, three birthdays, and they're just terrible days, right? And I can't work and it's horrible. And then the anniversary day of his death is horrible. <laughs> so we've had two of those. And I think, and it would be kind of nice in some ways to just have one really bad day a year instead of one in April and one in August, you know? Uh, yeah, for sure. It it really was. Yeah. Like I, I, I think of it as a gift. I don't know. Uh-huh. And like, the timing was also so interesting. She was born on January 3rd, 2012 at like, I think it was 1.45 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Then she passed away January 3rd, 2016 at like 3.30 or 3.45 in the morning. Wow. So. That was all... Yeah, it seems like it was kind of meant to be, right? It was yeah. kind of meant to be right at that, about that same time. Yeah. To have her live just exactly four years, really. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So talk about the time after and what that was like, how people helped you. and The time after sucked really hard. <laughs> um, I, can, I honestly can't tell you like much detail because Mm -hmm. it all kind of jumbles into one just like really sucky time period like I I barely remember exactly what happened when and I did have a lot of great support we had a memorial for her my mom is a reverend Mm -hmm. and she so she did the service and you know we had a lot of really amazing people kind of help out with it her teachers she had she had gone to preschool mm-hmm. to a preschool for kids with disabilities and so her three um, main teachers came and well I think there were other teachers as well but they came and and said a little poem that they wrote about her you know I had some friends who showed up that I haven't seen in years and some people who didn't even know Daisy, but, you know, had yeah. seen, seen her on, on Facebook and kind of show up. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is amazing. Yeah. I had that happen too. I had a girl, a girl that I went to high school with show up and it turns out she had flown on the same plane as um, two of my cousins and my aunt flew oh, on the same plane with her. And the whole time she was on the plane looking at those people saying, man, that guy looks a lot like Marcy's dad. I wonder if they're going to, going to go to the funeral. And sure enough, they were, they were, and she didn't tell me she was coming. I had no idea she was coming until, you know, she just is there. She's just there. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that was the same with the these people. So it was it was that was really lovely. Mm-hmm. 
And then another thing that kind of that helped a lot was that my sister, she created a a calendar and shared it with a bunch of like family and friends Mm -hmm. and people would sign up for different weeks. And that would be the week that they checked in or sent us food or sent us a present or, you know, like that. So that, so that was really good. That, that lasted for a couple of months, which was nice. That is Um, nice to feel cared for. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And Daisy Um, was your only child? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. That is hard in some ways, good in others, you know, because it, it is hard to take care of other kids when you're in such horrible grief, but it's also a blessing too. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely hard. I think for me anyway, the hardest part is answering the question of, do you have kids? Yeah. I'm single and, you know, trying to explain to a man who I've never like I barely know Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to get to know them better but like there's this big part of my life that you know is so big but it's scary to tell them you don't know like how they're going to react and and yeah and I and I think like you and Jerry talked about this a bit about how like the reactions aren't always the best yeah and people try like they're trying they're obviously trying to say the right thing but Mm -hmm. it never it uh, yeah it it never really feels that good Um, yeah yeah you're right they do try and you do have to give people grace in that they are trying but it's so often they try to say things that are encouraging and they just come off as almost cold and and Mm. not caring even though that's not what they're trying to do Mm. Uh, it's just tough it's tough well I'm glad that people really came around and kind of cared for you talk about the meeting Demetra a little bit and what what that's been for you yeah in 2019 so two years ago I got certified as a yoga teacher Mm -hmm. and then I came back and I contacted, we have this wonderful woman uh, named Lori at SickKids who she is part of the grief support team. Mm-hmm. She's the head grief support person. So I contacted her and said, you know, I'd really love to be able to offer yoga classes because they were looking for different types of things to do for the parents. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I could totally offer yoga classes. I find yoga really awesome. It would be really fun. Um, And so I started doing them, I guess, in the fall of 2019 in person Mm -hmm. and then went to to online as soon as the pandemic hit. And at some point last year, I don't know when Dini was at one of the uh, yoga classes And I guess, so normally what we do is we say hi or whatever at the beginning, then get straight into the yoga. And then there's time afterwards if people want to talk or, or whatever. And this yoga is just for bereaved parents, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's just for the sick kids, parents who, who have signed up for, yeah, this different, this course or whatever you would call it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess we, we connected a bit. We, I had shared my Instagram 
account with them because mm-hmm. I post things. And I at, uh, last summer I was doing every once in a while do a live yoga class mm-hmm. um, on Instagram, and Demi ended up friending, friending. I don't following me on Instagram. <laughs> Uh-huh. Like pretty much right away. And then we started to message back and forth. And then, and we just haven't stopped, basically. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, it was very organic. Like it was really nice to be able to talk to her. We, we've had a few telephone conversations. And, and then more recently, I went to Eleni's grave site to meet her mm-hmm. in person. And, and yeah, so. So she's actually one of my closest friends, I would say, at this point, because we like you bond so quickly when I know it's amazing, isn't it? Mm. It's amazing what kind of bonds develop when you have this shared past and this shared experience, even though you didn't go through it at the same time and Mm. your kids had very different journeys on, Mm -hmm. you know, their path Mm -hmm. of their illness. But it just, you just have this camaraderie, I guess, this sisterhood almost that seems to develop so, so soon. Yes. Yeah. It was, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I feel very honored to, to have her in my life. More recently, I went to Eleni's, it was Eleni's 12th birthday. Mm-hmm. And it was the first birthday that Dini has gone through since Eleni passed. And mm-hmm. so I, I went out to the, they had a little cake thing at the, at the cemetery. So I went out and it was just so nice to see her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause you probably haven't seen her in person much. No, just the two times. <laughs> <laughs> and isn't it funny how you feel so close, even yeah. though you haven't, you know, spent a lot of time physically with them. You just. I don't know. It's it's amazing to me what those kind of bonds are like. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I've I've never had quite as quick a bond with someone as I did with her. And I like I you know, I text her almost every day. Yeah. So Well, and I know you've been an amazing support for her mm-hmm. because she's been able to look at you and see kind of where you've been and where you are and it's nice to have someone that's a little bit further along in the journey to look to, you know, I know I have that in my friend, Stephanie, who has been on the show a few times, mm-hmm. what, three times now. And I talk about her all the time and I just met her at a support group too. And she's like mm-hmm. 13 months further on in her, in her grief journey than me. And I just, it's just always in my head. Like she did this. I can do this. It's like nice to have someone to look to a little bit. So that's just a beautiful thing to be able to be that to someone. And then now I feel like I've been able to be that for other people too on the other side. So it's just beautiful. Yeah. 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 It's really special what you're doing. I have to say, I was telling my, I have a therapist. Mm -hmm. Um, I was telling her that I was going to be on your podcast mm-hmm. and we were just talking about like how, like, honestly, thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing oh, podcast. Yeah. when I first lost Daisy, I also did that thing of like looking for a podcast and being like, wait, what do you mean? There's 
like zero podcasts. Yeah. No, there are a few, but yeah, at the time, <laughs> and certainly at the time for you, there would have been nothing because for yeah, me, there was nothing. And that was just three years ago. Yeah, exactly. So there was really nothing out there. And uh, so I just think that you're doing such a great service, to be honest. Well, and I just love being able to help people share their stories and then just help kind of create community, I think, within other people. So you can, I mean, I feel like I have close friends now that are from all over, you Mm -hmm. know, that I consider them friends. And that's just crazy to think that you can have friends so far away and you just feel so much less alone Mm -hmm. when you're going through this. Mm-hmm. When you know you have all these other people that you can yeah. sort of turn to, you know, yeah. in your yeah, this sure. hardness and sorrow. And, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 So I we talked about yoga. I almost want to go backwards a little bit and to how you kind of found yoga to be helpful to you, because obviously you found it very helpful in your grief journey or you wouldn't have offered to kind of teach it for grieving people. So yeah. how did that kind of come about and how, what does go, yoga do for you? Yeah, for sure. Well, if, if you heard Jerry's podcast, you'll know that I'm a recovering alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And as a, as a little shout out to Jerry, she, Paula too was on Jerry's podcast first, which I think mm-hmm. still think is funny, but <laughs> they both did Jerry's podcast and then they both came on to mine. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> So anyway, a little shout out to the nameless minority to yes. uh, give him a little push and you can listen there too. Yeah, for sure. He's a, he's a great guy. So, But yeah, so I'm a recovering alcoholic. I got sober a year and a half after Daisy passed away. Okay. Um, and one of the things, um, I don't really like saying requirement because... Uh, nothing is a requirement in AA, but mm-hmm. a, a strongly suggested <laughs> strategy. Yeah. Yes. Is to have some sort of spiritual belief. Mm-hmm. And so one of the ways I kind of figured out my own spirituality was to go into yoga. Mm-hmm. I had done yoga previously in my life, but never, not really a lot, never like super consistently or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I knew that I enjoyed it and that it had, <laughs> that it had the things that I was kind of looking for, like a bit of meditation, something that I found for both. Um, a lot of the things that are good for my recovery are also good for my grief. Uh-huh. I found that with yoga and at first I just started like I literally googled yoga YouTube something <laughs> some videos and and the thing that I really clung on to was that you can do like five or ten minutes of yoga and have you know five or ten minutes of clarity in your brain okay. which is you know on some days is the most you'll get mm-hmm. yeah and For just sure. like learning to breathe mm-hmm. and was so important because, you know, when you're, or for me anyways, my stress kind of comes up to my shoulder, my shoulders comes up to my ears and I can't breathe. And I, mm-hmm. my brain is going a million miles an hour and, mm-hmm. and 
I find that, you know, even on the really bad days, like if I'm really sad and I'm missing Daisy and I hate life, I can, you know, get onto my yoga mat, do a few moves even. And, and that's a good day then. That's better than. That's beautiful. Because I assume what you had done before you were in your recovery was those would be the times that you would turn to alcohol. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Because it just gets so overwhelming. You just think I've just got to numb it. I've just got to numb it. And so you numbed it with something chemical. Yes. And this way you substituted that with trying to get through it spiritually. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And also I've, I've found that. So now I, my daughter, so Daisy was um, cremated. Mm -hmm. We didn't bury her. I now have like a, a space in my apartment. It's in a closet where I have her ashes and I have some legacy stuff that we did. And, and I have just enough room to do yoga there. And it's oh, a really nice. great way that for me, anyways, I, I feel like I can connect with her. Uh-huh. And that has been, you know, one of the most special things that I've done for myself. Yeah. Yeah. It certainly sounds that, I mean, you've, come a long way i the alcoholism was before daisy died too then uh yes yeah and then it, it just got worse i'm sure afterwards yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i would think that that i mean she had been struggling through a lot just even with her illness right and with her all the stuff that she was going through but afterwards wow yeah mm-hmm. so and then kind of try to think what i had something else that i wanted to talk to you about Oh, so other people that were kind of important to you on your earlier journey, we talked about Demetra being so kind of key for you now. Did you have people that you were able to turn to right away or not so much? I mean, I guess a bit. I've always been really close with both my sisters and my mom Mm -hmm. and my mom being a reverend. Mm -hmm. She did it at like talking about the hard stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And they were, they've all been always really good at just letting me have the bad moments, you know, like, yeah. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. You do need people that are comfortable with the sadness, comfortable with the darkness, really, because you are in a dark place when you're grieving. And a lot of times people just want to flee from that. And all they want to do is like pull you out from the dark pit. When sometimes you just need someone to sit in the dark pit with you for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then m- my therapist also, I have been working with her since Daisy was a baby because I had um, oh, some okay. issues. So she she had even met Daisy and knew oh. like, so it was, it's been a really great relationship with her because, you know, it's, she's really good at just, she knows the story of Daisy so I didn't have to like go into that yeah that's just nice. you know deal with what was going on that day or whatever mm-hmm. so. well and to have someone be able to walk with you that whole journey especially that last year when she was kind of in decline and how you had to make some of those decisions and then to have that same person to be able to walk beside you the whole time is so invaluable mm-hmm. yeah yeah so those have been the most 
important, I would say, in, in my life. Mm-hmm. My ex-husband and I total opposites in t- terms of how we deal with it. Um, and so there's been almost no conversations about it with him. Did she die after you were divorced or before? Um, no, before. Mm-hmm. But we were probably on the end at that point. It's really hard to be in a long-lasting, loving relationship when you have a child with disabilities. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just adds an extra layer of pressure. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't the only addict in that. So we both had our own issues and yeah. And it's hard to be able to work through things together when you have so much going on apart as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now you really do need to tell us all about your tattoos. Cause I'm looking at them now and we'll have a little, uh, at least a little YouTube clip of this, if not the whole thing on YouTube. So people can kind of look and see, but tell us about the story because, um, some are there before and some after. And so I just want to hear the story of your tattoos. For sure. Um, so, um, so I have a full sleeve done, mm-hmm. uh, on my, uh, left arm. This was the arm that carried Daisy. Okay. Okay. So that's the meaning behind that. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Yeah. Like she was, because she was, uh, physically disabled, I had to carry her a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this was the arm. I also happen to have, I have some purple daisies on the, the top of the arm that I got in like 2008. So way before Daisy was born. Mm-hmm. Because you um, love daisies. I love daisies. And thus you named Daisy Daisy because you yeah. love daisies and you have the tattoo because you love daisies. Yes. So I'm yes. sure everyone thinks that the daisies are, were after the daisy yeah. tattoos were after, but they're not. No, they exactly. Proceeded. It was, I somehow knew I was going to have a daisy girl. <laughs> yeah. I love that name, by the way. It just, it's just so, it makes you smile, right? I, the name Daisy makes you smile. And yeah. the fact that she had these blonde curls and a huge <laughs> smile just makes that the perfect name for her, right? Yeah. I mean, you couldn't have had a better name I than know. Daisy so true I, I don't so, know but yeah so so I had these purple flowers already mm-hmm. after Daisy passed away I always kind of wanted to get some sort of tattoo for for her mm-hmm. I'm tattooed everywhere so this isn't surprising <laughs> um, yeah and I just want to get a little be still on my wrist and like in tiny little letters mm-hmm. and I'm too chicken to do even that so <laughs> You're way braver than me. I'm like scared. Yeah. <laughs> Once you get one though, it's easier to get others. So okay. I have. Well, don't tell that to my husband because he's barely, uh, well, he's not at all on board with me even getting the one, but <laughs> I don't think he'd be a fan of more than one. <laughs> That's so funny. But yes, I, I have a lot of tattoos. So mm-hmm. this is a huge stretch, but I got the idea for the unicorn from, so I think it was either for her first or second birthday. My sister sent me or Daisy a, a birthday card mm-hmm. uh, that had a unicorn on it. And uh, the words, if by different, you mean awesome. Oh, uh, so she, sweet. I love that. 
Yeah. And, you know, she wrote a little thing in it saying, you know, Daisy might be a bit different, but she's so awesome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so I kind of had that idea in my head for quite a while. And then, you know, it just makes sense to have other Daisies around it. And the coloring was also technically the coloring was just like what the artist went for. Mm -hmm. But it happened to also be when Daisy was a baby and she had had her cataracts out, we started visual therapy. Uh-huh. I, I remember this day very, very clearly because it was the first time where we knew for sure, for sure that she could see light. Yeah. And the, so the therapist had like a big light in front of us. Yes. She turned it on to the blue light and Daisy just lit up. Wow. Um, and so, so from then on, we were like, oh, blue, like the blue purples are the Her favorite colors. Her favorite yes. colors. Mm-hmm. And like, am- amazingly enough, that was what the artist ended up going with. And yeah, so it's just a, just a nice reminder of my girl. Yeah. Yeah. If different, you mean awesome girl. Yeah. Yeah. I love the daisies around it. So, yes. So, is there anything else that you feel like you'd really like to share with our listeners, whether they be newly bereaved parents or those who've been out a little longer? Some pieces of wisdom from you. Oh, wisdom. Hmm. You know, I I think that grief is such a hard journey. You have to really learn to be gentle with yourself. Because no day is the same. There are days where, you know, I wake up and I know it's going to be a bad day, but I can't figure out, like, other than the fact that I'm I'm grieving, like, I can't figure out why there's no triggers, there's no, like, anniversaries or birthdays or whatever. And you just have to learn to really ride, ride those and allow yourself I think the biggest thing that I've learned is to allow myself to feel the feelings yes yeah that's 100% right don't shove them away in a box and think you'll maybe deal with them later kind of just deal with them as they come yeah yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah so I think that's the biggest piece of advice I would I would say is I think that's a beautiful piece of advice. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your sweet Daisy with us today. I just loved hearing about her. Yeah, no problem. I really love talking about her. So. Very good. I feel like I need to take a trip out to Toronto sometime to meet all these Toronto people. And I really feel like I need to meet Lori from sick kids hey you should do an interview with her because she's amazing yeah you know what that's a really good idea I probably should do that but I've been wanting to when the um pandemic gets low enough here and they reopen up the border you know I'm very close to Canada like I'm only yeah it doesn't take me an hour and a half to get to the border or something so it's not like it's a long drive I've certainly driven to Toronto before so I feel like I need to take a trip out there and visit with you guys and visit with her because I think they do some pretty amazing things at sick kids that I would love to kind of a little bit Uh (laughs) uh-huh 
it's uh it's considered one of the best children's hospitals in the world so without a doubt yeah without a doubt so thank you again for being on and sharing daisy no problem thank you so much Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy at andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the webpage, andysmom.com, for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.